0: Welcome to Mana for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional, which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Okay, good morning and welcome. I am here ready to get started on a beautiful sunny day. Uh, we didn't see the rain yesterday like I was hoping we would. But, well, we'll just uh, pray, pray and hope. I want to see with 85 right now, the temperature outside. And uh, the humidity is down low, 65. Wow. Low humidity. This is kind of a dry morning for us right now. So let's look over at this day in history trivia. Not much really that I found all that in- interesting on our parts. So there's a couple of things. First, smartphone. I remember this 1994, the IBM's Simon Personal Communicator. Can you imagine if we still called them personal communicators? We could. Went on sale in the public in Bell South Cellular. It combined a mobile phone, a PDA. You guys remember PDAs, right? Allowing the user to make and receive phone calls, facsimiles, emails, and pages. That also included a calendar, address book, notepad, maps, stocks, and news. And had debuted at a Comdex trade show two years earlier. The reason why I remember this so well is because I remember one day before this really came out, carrying on me personally a cell phone and a camera and a Walkman kind of thing for listening to music and a PDA. I actually had one of those first palm ones. And I, I mean, literally, I had like five or six things, and I thought, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why can't they kind of combine these things to make them a little bit more, you know, uniform? And sure enough, somebody had been thinking about that way before I did, and, and there it was. Boom, they came on the market. And I went... Finally, because it was so hard to keep track of that stuff. And I loved my little Palm Pilot. I loved uh, my cell phone. And, of course, needed a camera to take pictures of what we were doing, the ministry. And it all came together. Never, never did I dream that it would become what it is today. But back then it was. And it's, I know, it's a long time ago, but it's not so long ago, right? 1994. Wow. Not that long ago. All right, the other thing. Elvis Presley fell sick on this day in 1977. He was only 42. This is basically um, the beginning of the end. This is when they found him on the bathroom floor. I don't know if this is the same day, if he died the next day. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Baseball stopped on I an mean, instrument. Madonna married Sean Penn. That doesn't instrument. The DeLorean. Uh, oh, he was just acquitted of... Cocaine of 59 pounds. Okay. First transatlantic telegraph message. We'll end with this one. 1950, the first official telegram to pass between two continents was a letter of congratulations from Queen Victoria to the United Kingdom, of the United Kingdom, to U.S. President James Buchanan con- congratulating him on their mutual success of the cable. There you go. This day in history. Oh, wait a minute. Let us not forget the dad jokes. All right. First one is, why did the cross-eyed teacher lose her job? Because she couldn't control her pupils. (laughs) All right, the next one. Um, What did the digital clock say to the grandfather clock? Hey, look, no hands. Okay, now we can move on. Ready to go in First Chronicles 16, if you will find your place. Thank you, Father, for our time together this morning, and we do ask that you would really bring together the concepts and the, the tapestry as we see this weave together, that we can find your direction for our own lives as we see the stories being laid out for us, and the truths, the principles, and the guidance you give us by them. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Chronicles 60. And they brought in the ark of God and placed it inside the tent which David had placed for it, and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. When David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. He distributed to everyone of Israel, both man and woman, to everyone a loaf of bread and a portion of meat and a raisin cake. He appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the Ark of the Lord, even to celebrate and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph the chief, and second to him, Zechariah, then Jeel, Samiramoth, Jael, Mataniah, Eliab, Benani, Obed-Edom, and Jeel, with musical instruments. Harps, lyres, and Asaph played loud-sounding cymbals. Benaniah and Jahaziel and the priests blew trumpets continually before the ark of the covenant of God. Then on that day David first assigned Asaph and his relatives to give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord! Call upon his name! Make known his deeds among the peoples! Sing to him! Sing praises to him! Speak of all the wonders, glory in his holy name! Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad! Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his wonderful deeds, which he has done, his marvels and his judgments from his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. He also confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as a portion of your inheritance. When they were only a few in number, very few, and strangers in it, and they wandered about from nation to nation, and from one kingdom to another kingdom, he permitted no man to oppress them, and he reproved kings for their sake, saying Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in holy array. Tremble before him, all the earth. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exalt and all that is in it. Then the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good, and his loving kindness is everlasting. Then say, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us and deliver us from the nations to give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Verse 37, so then, so he left Asaph and his relatives there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister before the Ark continually as every day's work required. And Obed-Edom with his relatives. Obed-Edom, also the son of Deduthun and Hosah as gatekeepers, they left Zadok the priest and his relatives, the priest before the tabernacle of the Lord in the high place which was at Gibeon, to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offerings continually, morning and evening, even according to all that is written in the law of the Lord which he commanded Israel. With them were Haman and Juduthan and the rest who were chosen, who were designated by name to give thanks to the Lord, because his loving kindness is everlasting. And with them were Haman and Juduthan, with trumpets and cymbals for those who should sound aloud and with Instruments and songs of God, and the sons of Jeduthun at the gate, and all the people departed each to his house, and David returned to bless his household. Um, First Chronicles sixteen is very is a very precious chapter to me because there was a time when I was on a worship on the worship team in Calvary Chapel Santa Fe, and we were going through a few mm, growing pains as <laughs> as worship teams do. And we were having some meetings about being a little more committed or who should, you know, where they should take their, their position on the worship team. Seriously, we had a large worship team, like 12 people. Anyway, during the night, the night before worship practice or two nights, I don't remember, before we had a big meeting. In the middle of the night, I had this crazy scripture pop in my head, 1 Chronicles 16. And it was in my head. All, I woke up going, why is that chapter in my head? I don't even know what it says. I didn't have a clue. I hadn't read Chronicles forever. And I got up and I read it and it blew my mind. I took it to the worship practice meeting. I said, guys, I think God's trying to tell us that worship's really important. David brought in the worship leaders as they brought in the presence. They were called by name and they they were given a specific task. God tasked them to lead the people into worship. And so it was really kind of a very blessed thing to see that God can Communicate to you in your sleep and try and get us to believe scripture, believe what he says. So, we have this principle of musical worship yeah, before the ark of God. We could say before we are now all the ark of God as we gather together. We are the temple, we are the holy of holies. We come together and therefore we are to sing praise, sing joyful noise, and let the heavens and the earth be glad because our God reigns. There's so many good songs that actually come out of that chapter as well. All right, Psalm 42, thirsting for God in trouble and exile, for the choir director, a masculine of the sons of Korah. As a deer pants for the water, brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hoping, God, for I shall reign again. Praise him, for I shall again praise him. For the help of his presence, verse 6, Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All the breakers of your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be written in me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. Verse nine, then I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? why do you go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as a shattering of my bones my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long where is your god why are you in despair O my soul and why have you become disturbed within me hoping god for i shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my god i love that psalm because it's so honest the psalmist is depressed That's why he says, why are you you so downcast? He's talking to himself. We can use the Spirit of God within us to speak to our emotional side, if we will but take the opportunity and discipline and go, I know I'm feeling down, but I know that's not the truth. The truth is I'm saved, I'm redeemed by God. I have much to be joyful over. And so we can acknowledge, hey, there's a reason why I'm down, but it's not really logical or it's not worth it. And so he says, Put your open God. Keep bring the focus back to where it should be. It's a really good, good psalm for us to, to take in. Psalm 44, for deliverance and present troubles, for the choir director and masculine of the sons of Korah. O oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us the work that you did in the days of old. You, with your own hand, drove out the nations. Then you planted them. You afflicted the peoples. Then you spread them abroad. For by their own sword they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them. By your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence, for you favored them. You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. Through you we will push back our adversaries. Through your name we will trample down those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor will my sword save me. But you have saved us from our adversaries, and you have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Selah. Yet you have rejected us and brought us to dishonor, and do not go out with our armies. And you cause us to turn back from the adversary, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You give us as sheep to be eaten. You have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people cheaply and have not profited by their sale. You make us a reproach to our neighbors a scoffing and a derision to those around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long, my dishonor is before me and my humiliation has overwhelmed me because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the presence of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you and we have not dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, and our steps have not deviated from your way. Yet you have crushed us in a place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or extended our hands to a strange God, would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. But for your sake we are killed all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, and do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? and forget our affliction and our oppression. For our soul has sunk down into the dust, our body cleaves to the earth. Rise up, be our help, and redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. Boy, is that song prophetic and powerful. At what time this is written, this would be a really good psalm to study, and you guys want to try and do that. I haven't had time to study it, but he, he's he's acknowledging that God has been beating them down and allowing the enemies to take them over and humiliate them. Even though he says, we've not turned our back against you. We've not disowned you, which we know that pretty much 90% of the time Israel was doing that. So this would have been a very narrow band of time. And I, it seems to me that this is more written prophetic than anything, not really written for what was happening, but what would happen in the future written as a true believer in Yahweh God, because we know that Paul uses this in the New Testament. And we know that it's a description of Jesus as the lamb being led before the slaughter. And even the New Testament believers in Paul use this idea. So I think it's very futuristic as written because we don't really see this hardly at all happening because when they were really following God, God said they would be protected and blessed. So this is an interesting one. And I have to yeah, I have to do a little bit of more, hopefully, in the future, research on this. Let me know your thoughts if, if, um, if I miss something. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10, just the first 18 verses. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock, which which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, and they were laid low in the wilderness. Now, these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them, as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom... The ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from immorality. I speak as to wise men. You judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. Look at the nation Israel. are not those who eat the sacrifices, sharers in the altar. This chapter here is really pivotal for the whole Bible if you stop and think about it. What Paul is saying is everything that happened with the Exodus and with Israel were written as examples for us. And when you extrapolate that out, what he's what he's really getting at is everything in the Old Testament, that everything that happened to Israel is given to us as examples. And so we're to learn from what happens to them. They decided to go after the flesh, that all the benefits of relationship with God, God was guiding them in saw more miracles than anything, than anyone, ever, really. And yet, they chose to follow after idolatry and adultery and rebellion and murmuring. You see, these all were written for our benefit. So, as we read through the Old Testament, the idea is that we're supposed to see these things and question ourselves. Wow, uh, do I do that? Do I love the things of this world more than the Lord? Do I see God bless my life and ignore him and just go after the things that are going to feed my flesh. The things of the world are so distracting, we can get our minds, even though God is doing miracles all around us, we can ignore them. And it's it's incredible how fleshly we are sometimes. Paul says, man, the idea is that we're all shares in the same bread. We are all in Christ, and we are a part of the body of Christ. Therefore, we are to support one another and walk as one bride together. Communion is a beautiful thing. It's to remind us. It's also it's a celebration. It's a reminder. And it's an identity that we have in Christ. So now, Charles Spurgeon, Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Here's the way of mercy for a guilty and repenting sinner. He must cease from the habit of covering sin. This is attempted by falsehood, which denies sin, by hypocrisy, which conceals it, by boasting, which justifies it, and by loud profession, which tries to make amends for it. The sinner's business is to confess and forsake. The two must go together. Confession must be honestly made to the Lord himself. It must include within itself acknowledgement of the wrong, sense of its evil, and abhorrence of it. We must not throw the fault upon others, nor blame circumstances, nor plead natural weakness. We must make a clean break of it and plead guilty to its indictment. There can be no mercy till this is done. Furthermore, we must forsake the evil. Having owned our fault, we must disown all present and future intent to abide in it. We cannot remain in rebellion and yet dwell in the king's majesty. The habit of evil must be quitted together with all places, companions, pursuits, and books which might lead us astray, not for confession nor for reformation, but in connection with them to find pardon by faith in the blood of Jesus. Somebody please send this to Joel Osteen. Osteen. I... these pastors in these churches, which reject, will not teach, and not even admit that we need to repent and confess sin and turn from it. We have this whole generation that's raised up that will admit that, maybe admit that they have not lived their life according to maybe the better way that God had chosen. They don't want to say sin. Uh, they might admit that, well, okay, yeah, I've been living with my girlfriend, but um, big deal. I may get high every now and then and go to church, but so what? I may have an adulterous affair. I may watch pornography. I may have a dirty, filthy mouth and cuss all the time. But what's the big deal? I'm I'm still a believer. God loves me. God forgives me. You know, God's grace. And there's this there's this turning away from the concept of acknowledging sin and repenting of sin and asking for forgiveness of sin, confessing it. All of these things. Burgeon says goes goes together, and we we cannot come into the to the to the presence and and the the, the relationship and the rest and the peace with God until we do that. So, what does Corinthians call sin? A lot: lying, cheating, stealing, adultery, homosexuality, fornication, drug use, because it's related to sorcery tapping into that spiritual, the dark side, the spiritual world, all of these things have to be confessed and repented of. That's just what the Bible says, what Jesus says. And if your church is starting to disavow that, I'm trying to rewrite that, get out of that church. That's all I can mm-hmm. say. Because they are doing what what Israel did. There, there are, they have the law given to them, they have the God's words given to them, but they chose not to obey them. And God disowned them. He said, okay. He let them die in the wilderness. Okay, so that's it for that. We're going to pray. I was going to start off reading in Spanish. No, let's go ahead and pray. We've got a few things to pray for. My brother Joe here, great guy, pastor up in Bucetia's area, got cancer, came, came back. He thought he had it whipped. So um doctor said it came back, so we got to pray for him as well as Maria Elena and Hank, anybody else that's dealing with the the cancer thing right now. Okay? So, Father God, thank you for giving us this time together every morning and for just uh, encouraging us in the Word to walk faithfully, to walk, God, closely with you, and to keep checking ourselves and not allowing ourselves to, to deceive ourselves and fall into sin and somehow justify it. Help us to be humble as David was and cry out to you when we sin. We know we're going to sin, but help us to have that heart like David to just confess it and ask for your cleansing touch. Thank you, God, that we can confess it to you and you alone. We don't need the priesthood. You are a high priest. So we thank you for that. We do want to acknowledge our brother Joe, who's uh, been just faithfully serving you and doing his best, God, and now find out this, this enemy... It's coming back, this cancer, and um, we ask God that You would do a, a miracle, help. Him. He's praying that he needs to get some tests done, some so wants to get on some treatment early, God, and so we pray that You would be helping him meet those timelines that he needs to meet here. Thank You that the medical system here in Mexico can be pretty good and very helpful in that. Some pretty good, great, great doctors. So God, we pray for the right doctor, but mostly we pray that You're the right doctor you would touch and heal his body. And just encourage his heart, God. It's just got to be such a letdown. He's uh, got a strong heart for you, so God, we just pray you would encourage him and let him know he has a family around him that loves him and uh, will be with him. So thank you for what's going on in his life, God. Continue to bless his ministry and help him continue to share your word uh, however he can with whatever strength he has. And uh, as well for Hank, for what's going on in his treatments, pray that that is going well and pray for Maria Elena for her treatments and however she's coping. God, we know that she is steadfast in her uh, belief that you're in control of the days that she has before you take her home and that uh, she's happy to live out those days for you. So continue to just lift her up and keep her strong and pain-free and for the uh, Castor lines, God with the daughters on this long road of recovery for their brains Pray that their the brains are being completely cleaned out, uh, and their bodies completely cleaned out of this of this deadly, horrible bacteria of Lyme's disease, um, and the other diseases they have and help them heal so they can think. So thank you for them and help Dean find work, help Kim, and help them come to church, God. I just pray they be able to come and fellowship with us. So thank you for all you are doing today for the kids of Nascota. Continue to pray for their growth and their strength for our church for our growth and our strength the evangelism team god for their growth there, new people to come alongside the ruby and and amadeo and Amelia. god we just pray more people could come in and uh just be a blessing to the church and bless the people down there that need to hear your word so thank you god for this day in jesus name amen okay there you go so we will uh, pick this up again tomorrow. I imagine we're going to be in First Chronicle seventeen, but we'll see how it goes. See you then. Bye.